0: What didn't we do? What can we do better? And what do we learn from it so we don't do it again?
1: is the training edge podcast, and I'm your host Isaiah Newkirk. For today's episode, I chose a topic that I think will resonate with most athletes, development and sport. Regardless of your sport, and regardless of what age you got into your sport, you likely had someone or some organization there to help you along the way. It could be a friend, a coach, a competitor, or maybe a team, they likely gave you knowledge, maybe equipment, possibly means to competition and probably most importantly, support. I was lucky enough when I was young to find such support in an elite development cycling team called Gateway out of St. Louis, Missouri. I raced for this program for quite a few years and it was my launch pad to the pro ranks. This program has been a launch pad for many other pro riders over the years as well. One of which is an old teammate of mine, Sepp Koos, who is a prime example of how this program takes riders with passion and gives them a place to shine. Sepp is now one of the top up and coming climbers in the world. This program was founded by Renee and Chris Creed, purely out of love of giving back and providing an opportunity to others that might have never had that otherwise. I asked Chris Creed to join me to discuss how he finds and then nurtures talent. Chris lives a pretty busy lifestyle with a household of kids of his own, but somehow he always finds time to give athletes from all over the world the environment they need to thrive in a very difficult sport. Whether you are a young athlete looking to find your path to the top level, or someone thinking of starting a team, I think you will enjoy my chat with Chris. Thanks for tuning in and enjoy. All right, Mr. Chris Creed, how are you doing?
0: I'm doing awesome, Isaiah. How are you today? I'm good.
1: I'm good. It's nice, nice weather here in Boulder, Colorado. Um, How is the family? How's everything going within your neck
0: of the woods? Everything's good, crazy as usual. It's gotten a little crazier since the, t- the days when you were hanging around. Uh, I've got <laughs> several more kids now. Um, yeah. Eight kids, seven boys and one girl. And I just, Renee, successfully kicked them all out of the house so we can hopefully all right. get a little peace and quiet for the podcast.
1: All right, Maybe they'll be a little more tired when they come back in. <laughs> yep. So do all of them ride, ride bikes still? Or is that kind of ebbed and flowed a little bit?
0: <laughs> um... Aubrey, the oldest, my only daughter, she tried it when she was younger, 9, 10, maybe 11, and didn't really care for it. And she never got into it. All the other boys have all loved it. Uh, Axel's the oldest boy. Uh, he doesn't ride anymore. He's gone, got into more football oh, cool. in high school. He's going to be a senior next year. and gotten. He's bigger than me and stronger. Nice. And then all the rest of the boys, they like every sport and they including riding um we actually just put uh put a jump line in our backyard for their mountain bikes they they asked if i'd build them a drop so i youtube how to build a drop and got a cool little beginner jump line going in the backyard that we're gonna keep expanding on so that's amazing and thomas the youngest is uh or sorry jude is the youngest he doesn't ride yet he's only four months old (laughs) thomas is on a strider bike he's recently uh graduated to the pedal version um nice so yeah they're all into it
1: man it's got to be a lot of bikes to keep track of i think i saw a video that you posted of that uh pump track thing and um i think he was he kind of got stuck on top of it by (laughs) just that the size of the bike wasn't big enough for the pump (laughs) yeah that's awesome that's super cool man talk about uh like a daydream backyard that's how long did that take for you to create
0: well they so uh we we live on we call it a compound out here there's uh three renee siblings and her parents live out here it's on 75 acres wow and so grandma and grandpa live next door and they dug a big hole to bury a propane tank so they had a huge mound of dirt so he used his tractor and brought it over and the boys actually went out and started it they built, no built way. the first couple jumps and then a couple berms and then they said we need a drop, and so we went on YouTube. I found uh, Seth's Bike Hacks and uh, oh, yeah. Watched, yeah, yeah. watched how he built one. And like, okay, I, and I'm not a carpenter by any stretch of the imagination. So, but it turned out it was okay, and it, it works, and it's fun. It's a good time. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, yeah,
1: watching your guys' adventures is pretty cool. Um, so, you know, obviously a lot of your life um, – has been devoted to raising and developing youth, you know, either within your own kids or with the Gateway team. Um, So when you were young, did you expect your life to
0: play out like this? (laughs) Hell no, dude. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. So I grew up with a brother, uh, divorced parents, you know, and really, I mean, I I moved to Boulder right after I graduated high school when I was 17. Yeah. And I was on my own from then. And, uh, no, there was... No way on earth I would have ever imagined having a big family and 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 uh, being into this stuff like we are. And when I met Renee in 1999, the night the night we met, she said she was going to marry me, and she said we were going to have seven kids. And I'm like, <laughs> you are crazy, but I, I find you very attractive, so I'll see where this goes. <laughs> <laughs> she was right. <laughs> yep, yep. Yeah.
1: Oh, so. man. That's awesome. Um, so switching to the formation of the team— um, when did you guys desti- decide to start the team and what kind of inspired that?
0: Well, so as you remember, we, we used to own gateway Harley Davidson mm-hmm. and, uh, the tour of Missouri came to town. Um, and we, Mark Gorski came to our office and asked us to sponsor the race. And so we decided to sponsor the race, um, the three years that it happened here and was great. We used to, you know, of course I wanted to sponsor it because it was, big world tour type bike race um but i also thought it'd be a good cross promotion uh, idea where we can sell motorcycles to bike riders and so and it, it was pretty cool the crossovers were there the you know riders are riders we like the same kind of roads and it was fun uh, super cool given mark cavendish and getting to hang out with him and giving him a buell yeah one year, that was sick. super cool and then unfortunately the race went away and um at this point renee is pretty hooked into cycling and i had started racing again and uh, i was racing for as a cat three for uh, mesa cycles here in town for russ and Adrian murphy huh. and uh we had this there was this young kid on the team matt pence who uh just showed a ton of talent and i'm like hey renee what do you think about sponsor? since we can't sponsor the bike racing or what about sponsoring a, a team you know Young guys and helping some young guys on she's like, yeah, that's cool. So, you know, we started it uh, through Mesa and uh, Had some local kids on there and just it really blew up from there. It was uh, Started just as a way to help out some local kids and you know, it just grew year after year after year, you know, we uh, say Pence was the inspiration for it and then uh, So that was 2010 This is our 10th year doing it and then um, you know, each year, somebody bring a buddy along or somebody, you know, recommend somebody. And that's how it just every year it's gotten the rosters, the calibers just keeps e- escalating higher and higher and higher. And, you know, it's it was a so much fun to watch, you know, in the beginning, you know, we just racing the local St. Louis races. And then we start to go to some regional races. And then we go to the big races and we would just kind of, uh, we'd participate in them, not really compete, you know, we weren't really on that level yet until, uh, I remember actually the, the specific race that, uh, where we came of age was, uh, the one with you and George, Dennis, um, Micah. And was it, uh, Redding? Yeah. The Redding 120. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and that's probably where our our our, our friendship with Dave Toll began too, because you guys the brake was gone, and you guys hit the front and pulled the brake back and and to set Dennis up for a good ride if I remember correctly, yeah, and that's where you guys everybody realized that you belonged, and we just started going higher and higher after that after that race,
1: yeah the basically the it just ramped after that. It was amazing. It was almost that moment of this is, we do belong here and this is uh, what we can achieve. And it's been super cool watching the program kind of escalate uh, since then. Um, So, all right. So stepping back, back to the beginning, (laughs) um, what did um, at the time, what was the long-term goal? Like when you guys were like, Hey, let's support some uh, local riders. Like what, did you guys have anything in mind that you thought could be a good place to get to or a cool thing, to get
0: to. Yeah, I can't skip over that part. So Yeah, exactly. Because <laughs> Renee and I weren't, weren't going to do this by ourselves, and so I called up our good friend Jim Schneider, who was my coach when I was a junior, and um, he coached tons of people and, and yeah. uh, said, hey, you want to do this? And he said, yeah. And then I called our friend, my old teammate, Josh Favis, and said, hey, we're going to start this team. We're, Jim said, Let, let's do a three-year commitment. That's what basically... Cool. We can get our wives to let us do this for three years. Yeah, <laughs> uh, cause I like It's it. going to take a lot of time, a lot of a lot of energy, so let's just do it for three years. And the goal really was just to just help out some young kids and hopefully get them uh, to races that they normally couldn't get to without support. We wanted to get, get them to, the, to a national level. I really, I don't think, I mean, sure, in the back of our minds, I don't think any of us said from the get-go, uh, we're... We're going to try and win national championships. We're going to uh, graduate 15 riders to the pro ranks. Um, none of that, really. It was just kind of, let's just help some kids out. Um, I had so many people help me out when I was a junior. Um, and after I graduated into the senior ranks, I mean, I, just so many people. And so we just wanted to uh, kind of give back. And, um, but then all of a sudden, you know, it just started, like I said earlier, started growing and we just couldn't say no. It's like, why? We can't stop now. Yeah. This is, this is just too good. Yeah. The <laughs>
1: momentum's rolling. <laughs> yeah. Um, so w- at the beginning, what were the biggest challenges that you were hitting or what did you guys experience early on?
0: Well, in the very beginning, I think we experienced what a lot of people do. And it's, we, we had some kids that um, basically just wanted, wanted the free stuff and, mm. and, We would do local races, and they wouldn't finish the local races. And my wife is like, why are we paying for this stuff for these kids when you're finishing the race and they're not? (laughs) Because you're old, and (laughs) not really in shape. I'm like, yeah. But, you know, that's where um, Jim's, I don't know if it's his strongest quality, but what he really brings to the program um, he brings so much to the program, but one of the, the key things is, is recruiting the riders because he interviews every single rider and we look to our, we look for character over results first and foremost, because as you know, you, you, can be the most talented rider in the world, but if you're a jerk, um, nobody's going to want to ride with you and it's just not going to work out we've yeah. seen it time and time again. And so, you know, I think that that first year we just kind of, we kind of had what was there and then we worked with it, and the riders you know they hold each other accountable um to where they don't let that level uh you know creep in into the team and so riders started kind of weeding themselves out and as the new new crops were coming in, and it um just really went well
1: huh do you so I would say like year after year, and I'm sure you have some moments that are a little bit harder than others, but Like, are there, do you find that it's pretty common to maybe have one rider or um, a couple along the way that are not, they don't quite fit the mold? And then,
0: um, or what do you find? Um, I'd say as the years have progressed, it's become less and less of an issue. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, there's, because riders, you you know, we all stop for our own reasons. Everybody, you know, um, tries to reach that you know, their highest level that they can. And for whatever reason, you know, it might be a girl it might be a job. It might be whatever, you know, it's like, and so it, it really, they start to, they start to move on. Um, and as, as the team has gotten older, what we've gotten to is the writers recognize, okay, I've gone as far as I want to go as far as I think I can go. Um, I'll give you an example of, uh, Max Ackerman. Um, he, he hit the, uh, two years ago, I guess it was at the end of the season. He's like, you know, I can't thank you guys enough for what you did. I never would have guessed that I would have reached these levels that I, that I've gotten to. And I'm extremely happy with my cycling career and it's time for me to move on. I don't want to take a spot from anybody else that might be trying to get on the team. And so, you know, he wanted to move on. Um, start his career and uh and open up a spot for all the riders that are coming in, you know. Which yeah. and that and it just speaks to the quality of rider that that Jim picks. You know, there's there's I mean we really haven't had any issues in the several years of yeah. wow yeah. this person just doesn't 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 mesh. And it's you know, it's it's just like in the real world that you gotta hire right and you gotta you you pick pick right from the beginning. You know sometimes you can get it wrong, but it's it's been good so far. Yeah, and the com-
1: like the community too. So the team itself like fosters that right. and will breed like you know essentially grow that community. So like Max, I had the pleasure with racing with him, but like that he just had such a fun nature to him, and as such, I think even I got to see his maturity grow as he was part of. Um, your program and, and just racing in general. And I think that that's such a phenomenal thing for somebody to get to the point where they're able to step away from the sport. It's a rare thing. So I think that's yeah. pretty amazing.
0: And, and that's another thing that, um, so Renee and I, the way we run our businesses and we know that you have to have smarter people than you working for working for you and with you. Mm-hmm. And when you have the riders um, like you guys, we, we never, we started off as a U23 team and every year it seemed like we always had somebody that should have been aging out, but like a Max or you or a Dennis, we're we're too good for the program to say, we're not ready for you to go just because you're too old and because you guys were so important to the culture of the team you know and you three specifically uh max and dennis and, and you um were are three examples of riders that we kept around longer than normal but it was because and we would have kept max another year for sure because it, you guys were just so good for the other riders on on the program because it's not just jim josh and i dictating how the team's going to be and this is how we do it um it's back to the riders that we hire to put on the team then you guys help us run it and it's all it's part of the culture you know
1: yeah yeah so the um i've always been just like super inspired by you know both your ability and jim's ability and everyone else within the program to find like young and and pretty mature um talented individuals um so one of the things I wanted to dive into was basically the ability to find talent and then nurture that talent along the way. So being so getting into the little bit of the weeds of that. Um so how starting from the beginning, let's say at the beginning of the year on each year, how do you find those talent? I'm assuming you get a bunch of resumes or you hear of a rider. What do you look at? What do you look for? Um and yeah, how do you piece all that together?
0: Um <clears throat> well, so yeah, we get a ton of resumes in the beginning. Of course, we didn't get that many, and it was just word of mouth. Like, hey, this person knows this person. Hey, he's a good, he's a good guy. And most of the time, writers aren't going to bring on a rider that is a jerk. You know, they're going to bring yeah. on somebody that's that's their friend. Um, and of course, they're going to want to bring on their friend that's not ready to be on the team as well. But um, so the resumes there again. We'll go through. Um, we look at their history. Jim specifically tries to look at uh, what their remaining potential is. He looks at how long they've been riding, what they've been doing. Um, several riders, several riders that we pick to be on the team have only been riding for a short period of time, like uh, Daniel Eaton was yeah. one, yeah. Uh, Sean Gardner, um, guys like that that just had only been riding a year or two and made leaps and bounds. And, and so he sees the huge upside in those riders. And then of course he looks at power numbers and that kind of stuff. And then, you know, the interview, um, to make sure that they're, that they're a good kid and that they would be a good fit with the program. And, you know, we look at their particular talents and what, what we're, what we're needing, what, what spots we need filled on the team. Um, yeah. Okay. And then,
1: so what, I'm curious if you still do this, but when I was on the team, you guys every year at team camp, would basically sit down with each rider um and back then at least it was like you Renee and and Jim I believe um yeah. do you guys still do that and then I yeah. you know what do you you know essentially after you had the interview is all kind of behind closed doors but like what do you uh try and get from those and in that scenario like the riders on the team so you the talents then in front of you so then how do you approach the nurture side of it so how do you know how to piece it all together and what do you then devise as a plan to bring these athletes to light
0: well basically that you know those interviews yeah we still do them we have not in 2020 of course because we did have not had team camp. right right a little <laughs> uh, different. maybe we will in july if we're gonna have a season in august maybe who knows yeah but um yeah we basically sit down and we try and pick the rider's brain and find out uh what their what they think their strengths are their weaknesses uh, what their goals are for the year um and then we we together work out a plan if either with um jim working with their coaches or if jim a lot of times coaches are riders Uh um actually our most successful riders usually are coached by jim yeah (laughs) um uh, and then we figure out okay so joe martin's a good race for you so we're going to target that and it's going to be um you know you're going to go for this stage or whatever you know Um, um and if the healer guys, um, guys that can do good at healing, we need to get them at altitude prior to that. And then we work out a plan for that. Um, and you know, a lot of, there's not a, we really don't, we're not like a, you know, we don't run it like a dictatorship or whatever. We're, we just trying to help out where we can help out. Um, you know, coaching is, is one for sure. Like if Jim, pays attention to how riders, you know, their results are and what's going on. Then he looks at their training and if he, if he thinks he can do a better job, you know, because he tries to see what the training is that they're doing and then he steps in and tries to, tries to help out there and usually it works. So, um, and then just, you know, you continue, you know, if, if a rider's having a bad spell, you know, or bad, a bad go, uh, uh, joel uh yates had a he had a rough rough spell but we knew what he was capable of we knew who he was as a person um and then he's one in particular as as a lot of you guys have uh, would live here with us Um, he was from new zealand so he was based here when they weren't on the road um you know all these kids around it never matters if we have a a few more bike racers around it's actually pretty Fun for the kids. But, you know, Joel was having a rough time and just having going through some illness issues and, you know, I think there were some head issues going on a little bit. Um, and then we just try and help him stay positive. Let him know that, look, we're not firing you. We're not getting rid of you because we know who you are and what, what you're about, what you're capable of. And we're going to give you the shot, you know. And sometimes that requires, okay, you let him step back and take a step down and relieve that. Let him know there's no pressure on them to to perform because we know it'll come you know we we picked you for a reason you're on the team for a reason and we'll get through whatever we got to get through and joel's a prime example he got through it and he's he had a he had a tremendous last couple seasons and yeah and now now he's on a pro team yeah he's really
1: picked up i mean i think that's a huge testament to the program that and a, a really a different standpoint to a lot of the older, uh, more old-fashioned way of looking at things. And oftentimes what the European development programs put into place of, you know, more of a sink or swim type mentality. Um, and that brings me into something that I found on your website, actually, with, with the team's website, which I wanted to read out because it's just a phenomenal thing that, I, that it's listed under your values. But essentially, you said on the website, no matter where you are today, tomorrow gives you the freedom to change yourself and become what you desire. We all deserve the chance to fail. It's the action and discipline to get back up that makes us who we are. We are part of a changing world, one child and one cyclist at a time. So I think like, that's absolutely amazing because that gives these athletes the ability to know that they, like, it's not a um, process that's like a punishment if you fail. It's a, all right, step back and let's see what we can do to make that better, um, which is a huge difference and I think goes a long
0: way. Right. I mean life punches you in the mouth nonstop, you know? <laughs> All the time. And, yep. and if, if you, I mean, that's, I'll get into a little bit something behind that here in a second. But um, sure, I will get, I'll get mad if last year we go to Alabama and we didn't do anything in the race and didn't follow the plan. The, the plan that we said was going to happen, happened with the riders going, the brake going off the front or whatever. And our guys never... For whatever reason, they all just had a bad day. Oh, and I was mad. But I get mad at my kids too. But that, you know, it's just, it's part of it. And you get past it and then you say, okay, what happened? Why didn't, what didn't we do? What can we do better? And what do we learn from it so we don't do it again? And that's okay. And it happens and you do that. But something Renee and I have transitioned into or have taken on now in the last couple of years to add to the team is uh we're really getting into um we're working on building a mountain bike park here in town and cool. also adding bicycle uh features in all the all the city parks Very around cool. us and then we're trying to get the all kids bike program going in all the elementary kindergarten and first grad, first grade P classes around. Ah, uh, so cool. Because we want more kids on bikes because we believe 100% that when a kid, when you get out there and learn how to ride a bike, you, you fall down and scrape your knees, you know, and you, you get hurt. And you pick yourself up and you get back on your bike and you ride again because it's fun because kids all love to ride their bikes. And when you give a kid that opportunity to fail, then they learn from that and they take that with them throughout life. And so and Rocky was the only kid in his kindergarten class that rode a bike. And wow. and so when we took, we took a Strider bike up there to introduce the all kids bike program to him. They were all freaking out and like, oh, that's awesome. Can I, what did, you know, can I get on that? And I'm like, yeah, we're gonna teach you how to ride this thing. So it's just, we believe, I mean, I've failed a ton in my life, and, but there's always something to learn from it. And at the end of the day, it is just bike racing. However, you and I know this because we've been around a while. You <laughs> learn so much from racing, traveling, hanging out with the guys that you take with you for the rest of your life. Yeah. Forever. Yeah. Yeah.
1: It's, it's one of those things that I'm sure everyone's heard it, but the, you, when you go out and you do an interval or you do a workout, you don't really learn a whole lot from the workouts that go really well. Um, But the workouts that go really poorly and you don't feel super wonderful and you had to really work for, you're probably going to learn a lot more or maybe you went home and you had to think about why it didn't go so well. And then it'll be more of a takeaway and then same with you know winning bike races you don't always win something or learn something from winning a bike race Mm -hmm. um but the either the struggle of getting there or the struggle of walking away with your head kind of not so high you could if you in the right light and in the right environment you can learn something that then you can transfer to the rest of your life which is you know the ultimate i think within sport um Yeah. yeah that's that's awesome so you know, in general, and I think that I'm imagining that kind of your kids help you uh, and being a father helps you within working with the team. But, you know, you guys chose a pretty difficult age group to work within as far as like a development team. You know, it's basically first year seniors, So that's 18 up to, um, you know, either 23 or 25. And that's that's a hard age bracket. Um, Has that like changed how you approach things sometimes? Or do you have... Uh, any moments where you're just like oh gosh please grow up like has that changed anything
0: it's definitely it definitely is different that's for sure <laughs> um speaking with uh, another team director last week and he was like uh uh i forgot what we were talking about trying to get our guys to do something trying to get the writers to do it. and i'm like yeah i have to I have to, I got to stay on him to do it. And he's like, yeah, I, I kind of, I tend to forget that you have a younger writer base than I do. <laughs> you know, I'm getting like, yeah, cause they are kids. I mean, you know, Jim and I struggle with how are we going to, how do we communicate with them? Cause some of them will do email. Some of them will only do text. Some of them will do WhatsApp. Some of them will do Instagram and we try and set a standardized communication and it's just hard. Yeah. Just, and it's the same way with, you know, we had that, we had those struggles with our employees, too. You you try to find out the right way to communicate, the, and, and customers, you try to find out the right way to communicate the message. And, and everybody hears things in different ways. So, yeah. And then last year, we had the most, uh, the biggest group of younger riders that we've had hmm. in a long time. Hmm. And uh, all of the families showed up to Redlands. Cool. And I was like... <laughs> cool uh, but how, how was that dennis cuz dennis was director for us. that's right oh man and he uh, was like it was actually all right it was pretty cool i was i was nervous about it because you know you know uh kid kid athlete parents and and how they how they can be they want their they want their kids to you know they want the best for the kids and all that well and so so do we so but these guys this group was awesome they all helped out in the feed zone they helped out in the kitchen you know, and awesome. it all it all worked out great, and so that was cool. And then Snowy Mountain got just this amazing group photo at the crit, cool. and it was awesome. So yeah, that's it. It it can't as even even the best teenagers are still teenagers. You know, yeah. As far as you because you were talking earlier about mature riders, they can be mature riders, but they're still teenagers. Right. <laughs> yeah,
1: maturity perspe- like in relativity to <laughs> yeah. other people. Yeah, uh, man. I mean. I think Dennis is a really great story within your program, just because he's gone on to like go through the program and be a really big part of it for an extended period of time, develop really far. um, And then end up like directing and have like pretty successful races. Like you guys crushed it at Redlands. You guys did great. Um, So yeah, like
0: seeing that was pretty cool. Yeah, that's definitely my goal. I would love to find a title sponsor. To where I could start, uh, hiring, paying for staff, and giving, d- Dennis the job as a director. You know, yeah. I would. That's, that's a new, a new goal of mine is to, you know, if I'm always, you know, of course, looking for a sponsor, and if we can find find the right dollars, we're definitely, I've got right, I've got people in mind for, positions. <laughs> cool. So that you've actually you have had some. I love hearing your kids. (laughs) Somebody's Um, not happy. Yeah.
1: Um, But you've had some really great companies that you've worked with for a pretty long period of time. I mean, even from what I remember, one of the first connections was with Trek. um, And that's blossomed into seemingly a really phenomenal relationship. And how has that been? How has been growing that side of the team? Because it's like a totally different endeavor within development of sponsorship and um, logistics and other things like that. Like, how has that side been?
0: yeah, I mean, Trek's our longest and biggest supporter. Um, you know we started with Matt Shriver. Mm-hmm. Um, he was the one that actually said yes, uh, Kevin Livingston hooked us up with Matt. and uh, Matt's always been a big fan of the program, and then he moved on moved on and up. and then Simon Thompson took over and he he and we weren't sure how that was going to go, which is you know that's how it is in cycling. as soon as you get a good relationship establish the person moves on yeah. you're like oh gosh <laughs> and so i wasn't and matt was like i don't know how this is gonna go well simon loved it um at this point and then matt pence had moved on and decided to uh join the navy and started yeah. flying jets for the navy yeah and S- simon just thought that was the coolest thing ever he's like that's that's better than being a pro bike racer that's for sure and so he was he was full, fully supportive of the team and then um and then ryan botch took over and he just they really believe in the development side of it. They see what we're doing. We fit a good niche for them. We help them sell bikes. Um, they love that we're an amateur team. They they do not want us to be pro. You know, we've talked, you know, several years and we we're like, should we go pro? Should we try and go pro? Because we could get into this race or we could do this. And would it mean more sponsors for us if we were? And Ryan's like, you know, you can do whatever you want to do, but i like you where you're at i like you guys going in racing against the pros getting good results uh, looking good and then so that's and and we just it's never it's never felt like the right thing to do so that's why we're still amateur and then to have them you know they're they're every year they get more and more involved so a couple of years ago ryan asked if if I minded if they helped with the kit design, and I'm like, no, please. <laughs> so he enlisted Micah Moran, who does all of Trek's design work for Sega fredo the cool. men's and women team, and all that. And, and then he was uh, like, we want to help you with the Instagram, and then they want to put us on their website. And they want to, got to do a video with the ends this year. So awesome. Yeah, it's huge support, and it just keeps getting better and better every year. Is that
1: something that took, uh, I guess like on your end, what did that, was that just patience or just, um, getting to know the good people? Like what was, what was it like within growing that?
0: I, I think it's just, um, you know, I'd say, you know, I'd say we got lucky first with Kevin knowing Matt yeah. Shriver. Yeah. I mean, that's how we got our foot in the door and then, um, staying true to who we are and what we're about on uh, developing writers and, um getting them to or having the ability to have track see us develop the riders and, and see the riders turn pro and see the results and then um staying in co- constant communication with them um yeah. going to visit the factory that that was really cool yeah that. So. yeah it's
1: like within cycling in particular i think it's pretty common to see Programs that have these like values or uh, statements that they make early on, and then they kind of like diverge depending on what agreements they make or what companies they find to work with that might change that. So to see you guys have these core values that you stick through, stick to for 10 years is like, that's a a big deal. And I I think it's really cool to see brands and companies like Trek appreciate that and see the importance in that um, and then invest in it, which is really neat.
0: Yeah, we're super lucky. Lucky, that's for sure on that front, you know, and it's just we're always everybody in cycling, we need, you know, the standard model is we need free stuff and <laughs> give it to us and yeah. it needs to be, you know, how can we what value can we bring for you guys and right. how hard can we work and and it's just it's it takes a lot of work. You got yeah. you got to got to bring value. Yeah. And it's, a, I mean, it's a trade. It's like, before it was
1: results, like that was my, that was what we were trading. It's like, that's not really good enough. You need to, there needs to be more of a trade um, and more value. And, you know, I'm hopeful that through time and through the sport that it grows and the ability for, you know, companies to work with teams and see different outreach opportunities that they can take advantage of within these organizations. Um, Cause it goes a long way um, whether that's like school visits or, you know, something else, it's, it's pretty cool to break outside of the bold and say, well, maybe let's, and I think that this period without racing has really pushed that. Um, oh, yeah. it'd be interesting to see if that changes the long term.
0: Yeah, it's really, I mean, there's so much with so much weird stuff going on and, and you know, the, the bad that's going on, there's, there's so much good going on out there right now. Like, um, Eric over at Project Echelon, mm-hmm. for instance, putting on, uh, a Zwift race get getting getting the Zwift series going and then he's there and just like sponsorship you you start off and you, you go after it and just put your heart and soul into it and try and deliver value and you might get somebody to give you a little bit or, or whatever but then if you keep working hard at it then you build that relationship and that rapport then something grows out of that well Eric started that with the the with a meetup um and Got a bunch of teams on there to race, and then Swift got behind them, and so now we've got the we had the the Redlands virtual race, which was really cool. One hundred and some riders, the yeah. all guys that we race on the PRT, and then they're gonna do Gila and Joe Martin also. So that's just a a shining example of you know taking bringing value one, uh, but then also just doing it because it's the right thing to do.
1: Right, and I think it's also the power of the community too, and the power of numbers, and the fact that what's been really neat, both within, um, you know, USA Cycling, trying to switch things up and trying to get teams to work together a little bit more, and then also, you know, within the virus occurring and people trying to get behind each other a little bit more, it's, you know, regardless of what you think of Zwift, and if that intrigues you or not, it's really cool to see, I forget what it was, but it was like 12 teams that he got to work together to... Mm -hmm. take on this online racing platform that was something totally different that we had no idea how it would work. Um, And that's really cool. Because if you can do that and hold on to that platform or hold on to that capacity and then change that over to, you know, later date or even at a race in hopefully a future time, then that's amazing. And that's something that the cycling community is like totally forgotten at the elite level, I think.
0: Yep. Yeah, I agree 100%
1: switching lanes a little bit going backwards. So you mentioned previously that you um opened up your doors to riders to stay with you, which is I think like a really phenomenal thing that you did that it sets you guys apart from a lot of other development teams. Um what like what uh made you decide to do that and then how has that changed and what what did that provide? And I imagine those riders kind of became like a little side of your family in a way.
0: Oh yeah. Yeah. It's just it's just who Renee and I are. I mean, we, you know, we both uh, love to cook for people. Uh, we cook for all our customers at the shop when we had that, and we just love providing. And and if we if we can, you know, Renee Renee comes from a big family. She's one of ten kids, and her dad's one of ten kids. So they're a gigantic family, and um, that's just kind of how how the type of people we are. And if we've got room you're welcome here and we won't we'll feed you and make sure that you're taken care of. And, and so it's like, okay, there's guys that, you know, they, they don't have parents paying for paying for their stuff. You know, and that's, that's the main reason why cycling is so expensive. And that's why we started the team was to help out and provide opportunity for those kids. And so some of that opportunity needs to be a place to stay. And, um, like I said earlier, when our house is already and you've you've stayed here, so not not at this one, but you know how crazy it is, yeah. and so it doesn't it doesn't make it any crazier. And it's actually the riders are helpful. Um, back back again to the the type of riders we bring on, um, they get up and do the dishes. They uh, help clean up. Dennis would organize my garage for me without without me asking him. You cool. know, he would just go out there and do it. Um, uh, yeah, just they're um, and they do become part part of the family. I mean, there's nothing cooler than watching Utah with six of you guys that raced for us and had stayed with us at some point, watching all you guys in the race in Utah, yeah. you know, and that, that was amazing. And the kids, you know, when we're watching, uh, Sepnek never actually lived here, but uh, since. When we're watching him win his stage in the WeltA last year, that yeah. was yeah. pretty amazing for the kids, you know, because, you know, the kids, they look up to you guys, and, and uh, you guys are inspirational to them, and they think that's part of the reason why they think cycling is such a cool sport, because they get to hang out with you guys. <laughs> I like that.
1: With uh, yeah international travel um, in mind, so you guys, over the last couple of years, um, have been introducing more and more international travel. I'm curious to hear... Um, why you guys started doing that and, um, what differences that has made, or if you think that that's changed the development of, of your riders?
0: Yeah. So, uh, last sev- the last several e- years, yeah, I, I, we wanted to try and provide some, some opportunity just to expand what we were doing, uh, outside of the PRT. And so the first trip was to Hong Kong, um, where, uh, Max actually got a good result there. Yeah. and then um, and then in uh, was it sixteen or seventeen, um, uh, Brian Gomez and George Simpson were actually being looked at uh, to be put on as a stagiaire for Utah. and they did not get picked. Because, one, uh, Brian, uh, Colombians were notorious for being homesick, hmm. and, um, and neither of them had international experience. And so they were like, you need to get them over to Europe. They need to get some international experience. Wow. Which um, Brian confirmed that Colombians are known for getting homesick. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> and, so, and so then the next year, we're like, all right, we're going to go to Belgium uh, in July when it's kind of dead around here. I wasn't quite sure how we were gonna do it. I didn't know how we were gonna afford it. Um, didn't quite know, but I kept telling the guys we're gonna do it, we're gonna do it. And I don't I I will not tell the guys that I'm gonna do something unless unless I know for sure that I'm gonna do it. And this was a little different. I just knew it was gonna happen, I just didn't know how. And so that's one that's another thing about our program is that we don't we don't promise the world and then and under deliver um we do what we say and so we ended up raising uh, enough money to pay for the flights which was great um and then Trek kept out helped out over there shriver let, let us borrow one of the Fredo vans very cool and um and the guys got to ride a bunch of kermesses over there and you know it wasn't the the highest level of racing but it was incredibly hard and fast yeah and so the guys took a lot out of it they loved it um I uh, still get messages from the guys thanking me for it and telling me how cool it was. And so then uh we wanted to do that again last year, but I couldn't put it together um financially. But we did get invited to the uh Tour Guatemala. Sick. And yeah, and so and that's one of the races where they take care of everything and um the guy we had the guys actually had to pay for their flights over there um which wasn't wasn't too bad and then everything else was taken care of and we just had an amazing race with gomez winning joel winning yeah and then uh, a couple of podiums grant wore the jersey for grant road force down there and yeah we got, i got a jersey downstairs in my closet which is another cool thing about having the team is all <laughs> these jerseys i got down <laughs> in my closet from all you guys the champion jerseys i love it yeah, yeah i got a i got a Columbia National Kit from when Brian Road Worlds. I got the uh, Guatemala Points jersey. I got Redlands jerseys. I got all kinds of cool stuff. That's national awesome. cha- Georgia's national championship jersey. It's, <laughs> I gotta find some way to hang them all up. Yeah, though.
1: seriously. So you think that you guys are gonna go that's you're gonna keep that within the program, like try and keep that a reoccurring thing where you do try and get international experience.
0: So yeah, we're gonna that's something we definitely wanna keep going. The the experience that the riders get. Not only from just traveling internationally, but learning how to survive over there. Learning how to overcome obstacles. Learning how to get by when the team credit card's not working at the gas station, for instance. That happened in Belgium. Um, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's just life lessons that you get, you get to figure out. And yeah. not to mention the just the super intense racing. Um, and so that's something we definitely are going to try to keep doing. Um, we were talking to Lionel Maudit from Australia, our rider, that we might, and you know, depending on what happens here, maybe maybe we'll have an opportunity to go race a season over there, you know, if there's nothing here. I don't know. Hopefully there'll be plenty to race for here later in the late summer and fall, and then we'll, it'd be nice to make a, another trip to somewhere, you know, yeah. Asia or, or Europe or who knows. Yeah,
1: so that, so that stems well into my next question of, you know, this year um, and how your program's kind of reacted to what's taking place. Um, so I just kind of wanted to get a feel for, you know, what, uh, the team has done in order to kind of shift and change and still try and take the best, uh, make the best of this period of time, both on the rider's side and then also on the, um, you know, what you're doing for your partner still trying to get back without, you know, the racing and the stories that goes along with that as well. So what's that going on for you?
0: Yeah, I mean, it's, Uh, You know, everybody's just kind of in a holding pattern. Um, The guys have definitely, you know, toned back their training uh, to get, you know, get back to a a reset spot. And then um, we have, and this took a little bit of work, um, is getting them all on Zwift, um, because not all of them had been on Zwift. And uh, we're like, you know, it's all we got right now. so. Let's yeah. take advantage of it and who you know, I again going back to, you know, what they perceive our expectations to be of them as riders, I had to make it clear that their results on Zwift have nothing to do with our choosing them for the the races they're gonna be racing out whenever they come back, you know. Yeah. It's like this is just a way to get out there, be active and that we can still support our sponsors. Saris is one of our big sponsors and so, they make our smart trainers H3 and that the guys all have, and so they can get on there and have a really good experience with that, and then show everybody that and talk about it. And, and then, uh, we st- they're still riding, so they're still using all our nutritional products. Um, you know, the uh tire sponsor, Goodyear, this year, they uh they they don't get to test the limits of those tires quite as much as they would, you know, in <laughs> yeah. race, but um basically like like you touched on earlier we we're definitely this situation is like you know we're not we haven't had a team photo shoot for example so i i don't have a lot of the high quality images that i normally would have that i could be sharing around uh talking about on my partner so i've had to find new ways to do that and uh and i actually started sharing a lot of older stuff too you know yeah just because that's what what i have on hand um but um yeah they're everybody's just really excited about it, you know, the whatever, whenever whenever whatever's gonna come, you know, they they can't wait to get going and yeah, jumping at the bit. So um but you know, it's there's de- I definitely feel like there's a light at the end of the tunnel now. They're you know, the World Tour announcing their dates and yeah confirming it and so we'll see if that all pans out. But at least, you know, you can you see that it's moving in that direction. so.
1: Yeah, I think it's it'll be interesting, and I hope it results in some positive outcome on the cycling side where it could be something kind of like what you were mentioning with maybe going to Australia is like if what happens if all these races and all these staples of these calendars for years after year, so like the classic Joe Redlands Gila lineup like what if that goes away and what if that you then still can find something else to throw into the mix or like maybe you can go to australia to race their calendar because it's in our winter or maybe you can slam everything into you know september october november like what what does it look like and how do you still make the best of it and i think that it's pushing teams to achieve that which is kind of cool
0: yeah and another another conversation that has come up it's like you know there are guys that their teams are our stage race teams, you know, and mm-hmm. which, you know, we primarily are, we're the PRT team. We, we don't do the whole USA crits calendar because we want to do the, uh, more of the road races and stuff like that. However, if all we have to come back to is crits, we're going to be a crit team because yeah. it's going to be racing for the guys. It's going to support those races that, that need the support. Mm-hmm. And we're going to get out there and do what we got to do because yeah, if you don't, if we don't support those races, then you're right. They might not come back next year. They could be gone. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So what, how about on the, um, development side within, you know, the standardized age bracket. So you mentioned earlier, like changing that a little bit, but you know, like, a, um, a couple other development teams have announced that they're kind of extending their age out to 25 to give those riders that are kind of missing this year, quote unquote, mm-hmm. um, a chance to still not lose that. Um, what do you think on that end? Do you do you feel like your riders are uh, feeling like they're losing a year on their path to being a pro?
0: Yeah, I definitely would say that they, they feel that way. I was so psyched to see Creed do that uh, yeah. with because particularly because he signed Connor Schunk and Scott McGill from our team last year. <laughs> right. And it would have been Scott's last year, so he gets another year. Cool. And that was so cool. And I hope that the other... Uh, UCI or the Connie teams do that because yeah the guys if it's not their fault they didn't get it get a shot and they're just going to be another year stronger so yeah I don't I don't know that there's any I mean I guess there is on the UCI level there's a, a line in the sand that if you're U 23 you have to be 23 but I mean like I said we we've, we've always been flexible with it because, because we can, and we just do what we think is right for the program, and something like that is right for those programs right now. So I hope, I hope the other ones follow, follow uh, Creed's uh, his lead on that.
1: Yeah. Shifting to success. So um, I'm curious, both within yourself and then also within the program, um, within developing riders. What do you guys consider success? I mean, you mentioned Pence a couple of times. You know, I think we all see him as like really successful. So, but um, that's a little bit outside of the cycling world. So, I'd like to hear like what you consider success is from your program.
0: Yeah, I'd say success is is growing as a person um, into whatever that means. If if that means uh, somebody like Pence, who he attributes his his time on the team. To giving him qualities that he has uh, used to grow into the person that he is, and fly an F-15 Tomcat, yeah. I think it is now. Jets, yeah, <laughs> really fast jets. <laughs> yeah, and it's like, okay, or is it you know Sepp who was on our team for a short while and gonna race the first Tour de France this year, or yeah. is it you know um, Max going to work for Trek Travel and leading awesome treks around the world? Um, it's just growth as a person and, um, like some of them, uh, Matt Brandt for instance has got his first kid on the way and yeah. he, and he's a, uh, he's been married for a while now and they're expecting their first kid and he's, uh, on the number one e-racing team there is. Right yeah. In, in the world. Sarah's, yeah. Serious pros closet. Yeah. So really it's, um, I mean, the bike racing results are awesome when they come. You know, like I said earlier, it's just bike racing. It is awesome. I mean, last year having Brian come back um, and win three of the four races of Gateway Cup and get second on the final day, that was that was pretty damn awesome. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. know? Um, winning jerseys at races is awesome. Winning in winning Oakland was huge. Um, but, you know, going back to that Reading 120, when I think Dennis got 24th that day. But the way you guys rode as a team that was a huge success um and it just it it really varies to but it's basically in my in my opinion it's just uh how you grow as a person yeah i like that it's now that i'm out of it
1: kind of and looking back it's one of those things that, like in the moment, <laughs> a lot of the riders don't see the growth that they're receiving or the growth that is occurring. And um, when you get out of it and you look back, I mean, with anything in life, you see how far you've come, both within you know mm-hmm. being able to pedal hard in and in a particular line, and then also being um, how you respond to certain situations and what you receive from that experience. And um, yeah, it goes along long way. Um, And I'm still, you know, to this day, finding different places, like, oh, maybe, maybe those years of being stuck in a van traveling across (laughs) the country helped me with this scenario, because I'm not freaking out at the person next to me right now. So you never know. And I think it's phenomenal. Um, But cool. So what about the future, then? I know this, you know, this year, aside, kind of, um, or this moment, What are the goals for the future? What do you hope that the team can achieve or become in the years to come?
0: Well, um, we want to keep it going as long as possible. Um, I am, we are reaching the point where uh, Renee and I are looking for um, more financial backing to help. Um, You know, 10 years has been quite a lot on us and we're going to continue to do it. um, But... We need. We're gonna be looking for. I'm finally gonna start asking for money from other people, <laughs> and uh, and you know we just wanna you know I don't know I I think someday you know maybe someday we'll go pro maybe we'll do some bigger things I I don't know when I look at when I look at a program like Rally and where they come from and where they where they are now that's that's pretty inspirational but I also yeah. don't I don't want to make we don't want to make the mistake that so many teams do and you know start off and we're gonna we're gonna go to the tour de france in five years and then they're gone <laughs> you know it's like yeah that's, a that's what we definitely do not want to happen and so we'll, for the time being we're gonna keep doing what we're doing we're gonna keep bringing good riders on giving them good opportunities hopefully graduating um them to pro teams um that's 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 what I, that's what we would like to see, you know, every year get two or three more guys getting paid to ride their bikes. That would be sweet. Yeah.
1: So basically a final question for you, but switching gears to you, um, what has the team done for you and your family in the long run? Like how, how have you seen it affect your life and how have you changed in, you know, owning a team for 10 years?
0: Hmm. Well, I haven't got more emotional as the years have gone by it's all been pretty emotional (laughs) because i mean they are like our kids it's just wonderful to watch these guys grow and watch opportunities pop up you know to have uh brian calling me from columbia negotiating his contract his first contract um was a pretty pretty big moment for me. Yeah. I think it shows you the yeah, effect you have on these
1: riders' lives that um maybe sometimes we're not super great at saying thank you in a meaningful way, but we actually do, you know, care what, what you think and um I think my time on the team, I didn't really never had this sense of pressure to achieve a result but what i wanted to do was to see the program succeed and i wanted to see get a result for like you guys and the people that had given to my development and i think that is more powerful than most really realize um and until they're out of it so yeah
0: yeah and you, and, and you guys do all of you i mean it's that's you know the 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 will to succeed and the, the determination and the drive that you guys put into the sport uh, to, to pay us back, you know, which is all we ask is that we just want uh, we want riders that want to go to the next level that are willing to put the work in and do what it takes to make it happen. And when we see that, that's that makes our heart really full.
1: Well, For myself and for a lot of riders and for the cycling community, um, thank you for all that you do and definitely pass that along to your wife and to Jim and everyone that's out there that's helped support this team. Um, And yeah, I mean, if you want to, if you're a listener and you want to support Chris and the Gateway team, um, what's the best way for them to reach out to you?
0: um they can you know the team is gateway devo cycling on instagram uh facebook twitter um our website is living life on two wheels that's our other non-profit um it, the there's a team section on there and then also our our nonprofit section which is all about getting more kids on bikes and having more safe places to ride for kids and um yeah and then i'm creed monster on lots of uh, on all the other socials the
1: yeah well thank you chris um i always love chatting with you and thank you for yeah talking to me about just development of riders and um you guys really have done a lot for a lot of different riders um you know whether they made it to the pros or they didn't um and i think that cannot be overstated um so yeah i really appreciate that um and, yeah thanks for joining me
0: thank you very much for having me isaiah i, I, su- I really enjoyed it and like I said earlier, I'm I'm super stoked for your career and all the cool things you're doing now, and I can't wait to see how far you take this new path. Oh,
1: well, thanks, Chris. Um, yeah, I hope that COVID passes and we can see you know you and your riders crushing it again this year, as I'm sure they will, <laughs> whether or not that's Australia or here.
0: <laughs> yep, right on, man. I appreciate it, Isaiah.
1: All right, thanks, dude. Thanks again for tuning in. As I'm sure you gathered from my conversation with Chris, he is a passionate dude who has helped countless of athletes over the years. If you haven't already, please leave us a review. Follow us on Instagram at trainingedgepod and let me know what you think. If you have any topic or guest requests, let me know as well. Till next week, stay safe out there and keep looking for your edge.